Let's find out. R.J. Hallman is here, Director of Government Relations, and Matt O'Brien, who's the research brain at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. They are both here with us together this morning. Gentlemen, welcome to News Talk 780 KOH. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having us on. So let's start off uh, with this, R.J. Uh, what exactly are public charge requirements? What do those two words mean, public charge? I'm going to let Matt kick it off here for this. All right. Uh, so they're basically requirements that uh, immigrants coming here are supposed to be self-sufficient. And they go back to the Massachusetts Bay Colony when uh, the British colonies in the New World were first founded, and they just basically represent the notion that people should pay their own way and not be a burden to their neighbors. All right, well, that's pretty straightforward. It goes all the way back to 1882, so this is, this is not a new concept at all. No, not at all. It goes back to 1882 with regard to immigrants coming from foreign countries, but within the colonies, there were actually public charge laws that uh, prohibited the migration from one colony to another by people that were indigent. You know, we've got another caravan of, uh, of migrants heading toward the southern border, and that's a question a lot of people have. Is what's going to happen to these people once they get here, once they get their ankle bracelet or whatever, and we release them off into the country, and a lot of them end up on the public dole. How big a problem is this? Boy, it's a huge problem, and this is something again. You know, the, the, the being uh, the access to public benefits is a definite pull factor for a lot of these poor migrants that come from Central America and game our asylum system and come here and get to stay. So what we're seeing is the administration doing what they can without Congress, just acting within the laws that are currently on the books to prevent people from either staying here or coming up here. Again, President Trump has struggled to get things through Congress. Democrats aren't willing to play ball on anything to reform our asylum laws or or prevent or deter people from coming here illegally. So by, you know, by doing this public charge rule, the administration's kind of restoring the integrity of our immigration system and sending a message down to South America that, hey, if you come here, you just don't get to stay on the public dime. Matt O'Brien is our guest. He's the uh, Director of Research at uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. R.J. Hallman is here as well, the Director of Government Relations. So is this another case of we've got good laws on this, we're just not following them, or do we really need some revision here? It's actually a little bit of both. I mean, with the public charge rule, all they're doing is, is just kind of clarifying a definition of who a public charge is, kind of saying the kind of benefits that make you a public charge and then will make you inadmissible to come here or get a green card. But, you know, there are good laws on the books. The administration is finally following through on them in many areas. However, Congress is still needed right here. You have a lot of these loopholes that allow people to come here and claim credible fear, game our asylum system. Again, a lot of these people coming up here from Honduras and Central America, like you mentioned, the caravan, again, they're not actual refugees. They're not actual asylum seekers. If they truly were a refugee, they'd stay in Mexico or whatever country they cross through. But they're simply economic migrants who want to come up here, potentially work, stay on the public dime. But President Trump has repeatedly called on Congress to close these glaring loopholes in our asylum laws and that prevent 
um, the deport, the swift deportation um, of people that are from Central American countries. And we're certainly hopeful that as part of uh, trying to get some border wall funding after the election, that President Trump insists that along with that border wall funding, we also close some of these glaring loopholes in our legal immigration system. That's one of the reasons why the election 19 days from today is, is so important. We've been having this discussion for a long, long time about presidents and executive orders and doing this and that and the other thing with immigration. Is it too much? Is it not enough? If Congress does their job and does some real immigration reform, all that arguing goes away, doesn't it? Uh, it does indeed, but the fact is, as the president has shown with the uh, travel ban case, which he won, and some of the other cases that have been percolating through the court, there's more than enough authority on the books already for the U.S. to deal with these issues. And the question we should be asking is, why do we want to be the subsidized retirement plan for the de developing world? If you look at this caravan that is headed here, these are all people complaining that they can't find jobs and opportunity in their own country, and rather than fixing it, in their own country as they should be doing. They're planning to flee to the United States, get on the public dime here, and become a drain on the public fisc, which takes away money that we could be spending on U.S. citizens for things that are desperately needed here in the U.S. Yeah, we even calculated this, uh, Matt's Matt research department did, that we just took one program that is now, in a, that is now under this public charge rule. So it, it, it includes things like um, uh, Medicaid, food stamps, Section 8 housing vouchers, but we actually looked at the Medicaid program, and we found that there'd be a maximum gross overall savings by the year 2030 of $29.7 billion. So that's just one program that is going to be included under these re new requirements. And that's massive. I mean, you, you, you bring in food stamps. You bring in Section 8 housing vouchers. I mean, you're talking billions, uh, massive, a massive amount of savings for the American taxpayer. Well, Medicaid is a major problem, and it's not just for, for the federal government. You know, the states have all got increasingly bigger and bigger burdens in just Medicaid. I would think, you know, the politics of all this is one thing, but when it comes to our pocketbooks and money and the kind of numbers you guys are talking about, it, it's a little mind-boggling that we haven't gotten any further with reforming our whole system here. And it creates this quick conundrum for the people on the liberal side of things. It doesn't really mesh, you know, mass third-world immigration and also having this very generous social safety net. I mean, it's a drain on the programs that, that the left likes to increase and, and try to offer to other people. I mean, they, they just don't – it doesn't work together. And then when you add to it, much of the money that these folks earn when they do go to work winds up being remitted back to their home country and taken out of the U.S. economy without being taxed. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Leader, is uh, trying to introduce a bill to finally get funding for Trump's border wall moved along. What do you think his prospects are? Well, so here it is. You know, we've been working with the Majority Leader's office on this. His bill is probably not going to be voted on, but what it represents really is a gesture, and, and it sends a message that Kevin McCarthy, you know, he's probably in line to lead the Republican conference after Speaker Ryan officially steps down, whether we keep the majority or not. It's kind of sending a message that, hey, you know what, in December, after the midterms, I'm going to fight for uh, President Trump's signature campaign promise. I'm going to try to secure this border wall funding. And again, uh, Kevin McCarthy hasn't always been in line with organizations like ours and, and, and immigration enforcement, but we're, we're very encouraged by a lot of the comments and a lot of the actions we see um, coming out of the majority leader's office. But, you know, we're hoping that he puts his money where his mouth is because this border wall bill, it's a little bit of a distraction.
distraction. That's not going to be the vessel for the funding. The funding is going to need to come from a spending bill that has to be passed in December, by December 7th. We think if President Trump doesn't secure that border wall funding then, he's never going to get it, especially if Democrats take over the House. So they're talking a big game. We hope, we hope, and we're going to be pushing people here in Washington, encouraging all our membership to do as well. Your listeners, make sure that they deliver on the president's key campaign promise, because it's now or never. Uh, of course, what we're talking about, December 7th, is another of the endless series of deadlines due to continuing resolutions and such to fund the government. Trump keeps threatening to shut the government down if they don't give it to him. Is he going to have to do that ultimately to get this to go? I think it's something that definitely needs to be on the table. Um, you know, he threatened in, in, in September that he'd potentially do it then. But again, he, he lets, you know, Speaker Ryan and Mitch McConnell get in his ear and encourage him to wait until after the election. Um, that is definitely a tool at their disposal. Um, we're just hopeful as well, and we're trying to encourage the administration as well. No bad deals. Don't trade $5 billion in border wall funding for a massive amnesty for the DACA recipients or even larger than that. That would be a terrible deal. Wall for DACA funding, a wall for DACA is just a bad deal. So we're hopeful that the administration takes a hard line and forces the Democrats to, to, to say no to essential border security funding. And I'll tell you what, this caravan coming up from Honduras couldn't be better for the administration and the Republicans in messaging right now. It's obvious that we need a border wall. We need to close these loopholes to prevent these people from coming up and send a strong message down to Central America that America's borders are not open for business. And that's a message that needs to be said because they're they're all convinced all they got to do is get here and it's all going to be A-OK. And, and sadly, our, our recent history suggests that uh, to be the case. All right, listen, one more thing before I let you guys go. The politics of all this aside, why is merit-based immigration just overall better for the country? Well, if you stop and think about it, people who come here are either going to contribute to the economy or they're going to be a drain on it. So what we want to do is we want to attract people to the United States that have the skills to be successful in the U.S. economy. When immigrants are successful, it's good for the immigrants and it's good for the United States. So merit-based systems selects people who are able to communicate in the language, who have the skills to be able to do business and take high-paying jobs in the United States. If you don't do that, what you wind up doing is creating an underclass where you exploit immigrants for cheap labor, and that's about as contrary to American values as you can possibly get. And that is a great place uh, to leave it. R.J. Hallman, the Director of Government Relations, and Matt O'Brien, the uh, Research Director at the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time very much this morning. Thanks.